Welcome back. Welcome back to the God Revelation podcast, where we believe, teach, and preach. Revelation 1-3. Bless is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it. For the time is near. And the things that are written in it that is spoken of in this verse is the book of Revelation. The God Revelation is a verse by verse, chapter by chapter study of the book of Revelation, which is about the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. For in chapter one, verse three, where it says, for the time is near, the time that is referred to there again is the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. The book of Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus. It's not all about doom and gloom, about the revelation of the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So that's why that verse three says, bless are those who read the book of Revelation. Bless are those who hear the words of the book of Revelation, because again, and it cannot be overstated. The book of Revelation is about the return of our Lord and Savior. And so we should be reading it. We should be teaching it. We should be preaching it. Because nothing can be more important than telling the world that our Lord and Savior Jesus is coming. And to come to him by faith, by accepting that he died for your sins and that he was raised from the dead. In this episode, we're going to pick up in chapter five in the book of Revelation. On last episode, we did chapter four. But before we get into that, I would like to remind you, as I always do, that you can hear past and future episodes of all three podcasts. That's this podcast, the God Revelation podcast, and the Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God Bible podcast and the Holy Spirit podcast on our website at renewyourmindministries.org. Again, that's renewyourmindministries.org. You can hear, also you can hear past and future episodes on any podcasting platform such as Amazon, Alexa, Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can hear a podcast, we should be there. All three episodes. Now, all three shows, excuse me, all three shows will be there. Now, they're not one show. When you do your search on these podcasting platforms, you have to do your search and find them individually. For example, the God Revelation podcast, that's its own separate podcast. The Holy Spirit podcast, that's its own podcast. And to renew your mind with the Word of God Bible study, that's its own separate podcast. So there's just not one or there's not three podcasts all in one. They're three separate podcasts. But again, you can find all three podcasts on our website as well as any podcasting platform. Also, as always, I'd like to invite you to send any prayer requests to me via email at renew your mind, the letter M at gmail.com. That's renew your mind M at gmail.com. Or you can write us and mail it to PO box seven, two, one, one, four, three, 
Jackson, Mississippi, 39272. That's P.O. Box 721143, Jackson, Mississippi, 39272. And I will be more than happy to pray for you. Now, going back to this podcast, which is the God Revelation podcast, where we're doing a in-depth study of the book of Revelation. Uh, we left off we completed chapter four, and if you have not heard that, I would invite you to go back and listen to that. And we're going to do chapter five. Before we get into chapter five, five, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for being our God. I lift you up. I magnify you. I glorify you. I thank you for Jesus sending your only begotten son to die for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love to the Father that you will obey him even unto death obeying him to come down to this earth to show us the way to fulfill the law and then ultimately allowing your holy, godly, precious, and perfect blood to be spilled for our sins. We thank you for that. We thank you for this book, this book of Revelation. Letting us peek behind the curtain to know that you're coming back and the things are going to take place before you come back a second time to this earth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to better receive and understand this word. We thank you and we ask you to bless this show. I ask you to bless me to use me as you would have me to say those things you would have me to say in the way you would have me to say it, O Lord, that your people may be edified, that they would know more about you, that they would know more about your second return to this earth. And all these things we pray in your mighty name. Amen and amen. All right. Now, I think I've mentioned this before on one of these podcasts. I'm getting confused sometime on what I say on three different podcasts. But the Bible especially the New Testament, is a series of letters. They're not books as we traditionally think of books. We term them books, but they're really letters. And I say all that to say this. The Bible, the original books, which are in the Old Testament and the books in the New Testament, were not written and divided into chapters and verses. That's these. The, when you open a book and you see chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, whatever, so forth and so on, the, that is not in the original writings of the Bible. So you can't find that in the, re- in the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, which are the original language, the, what we call the Bible, which is a collection of 66 books. You won't find that in that. They were added some 500 years ago to help us study the Bible and reference the Bible, which is a good thing. So I can tell you to turn to chapter 1, uh, look at verse 2, and boom, you can go there. Without, that, without having chapters and verses, it would take more time to everybody getting on the same page of a particular what we call chapter and verse. So they're a good thing. However, there are sometimes in books, there's a bad chapter break, meaning that where one chapter ends, another one begins. Typically in our American culture, when that is done, you're switching subjects. When one chapter one end and chapter two begin, there's a change in subjects. And that's not necessarily always the case in the Bible. And I say all that to say this chapter four and chapter five, there is no break. That really should be one chapter because chapter five is a continuation of what John is seeing after the church has been raptured from this earth and now is in heaven. And John is now describing that heavenly scene of God being on his throne and the, and the scene of heaven. So we get we start that we start that revelation in chapter four and chapter five is a continuation of that. So there really should not have been a break. So keep that in mind as we go through chapter five, that chapter five really is a continuation of chapter four. And again, 
the church has been raptured out of the earth is now in heaven with Jesus, with God. And when I say the church, let me clarify that. When I say the church, I'm talking about the true, the true church. That is believers, true believers in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, not a physical church building. We may go to, we oftentimes in our culture refer to a building as a church, and that physical building is a church. But the word of God, when it referenced the church, it's talking about believers. We're talking about people. And we need to know that. So when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about a specific physical building. I am talking about true believers, believers of Jesus Christ. They're going to be taken out of this earth, which is oftentimes referred to as the rapture. Unfortunately, there are many people in the physical church that don't believe in Jesus as, as their Lord and Savior. They go to church for a variety of reasons. Networking, um, that's something they've always done as little children. It's just a habit. But not everybody that's in a physical church actually believe and has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, believe it or not. So when I'm talking about a church or reference to church or when the word reference to church, it's not talking about any specific physical building. The word referred to we are the church as a believer, the Holy Spirit lived in us. We're the temple. We're the church. So I'm referring to people, believers, not a physical location, not a physical building. But anyway, chapter five is a continuation of, Je of chapter four, where John is describing the heavenly scene that he started to describe in chapter four. So let's pick up in as our usual fashion. We're going to read the verse and then we're going to break it down. So let's look at Revelation chapter five. Verse one, which says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides in seals with seven seals. In this verse, verse one of chapter five, John tells us he saw God holding a scroll in his right hand. It was likely a papyrus or sheepskin document that was rolled up tightly, as you probably can, you probably seen in when anytime you've seen an old movie or anything that in antiquity, and they have what they write on it written in the scroll and it's bound by seals. So let's picture that. The verse, this verse tells us that it contains writing on the inside and on the backside and was closed with seven seals. So it was rolled up and it was kept from being opened by these seven seals, which ultimately going to end up being open, which is going to represent judgment on this earth. The scroll in God's right hand contain official verdicts and sentences against unbelievers on this earth. Because again, the believers have been removed. And so that only leave non-believers during this time. And this time that we're going to be referring to is the seven year tribulation that these sentences and these judgments by God on unbelievers are going to be unleashed by the breaking of these very seven seals and uh, bowls, which we're going to eventually get to. And the number seven symbolize God's perfect judgment. And the reason why it is perfect is one, he's God. And then secondly, we know whether you accept it or not, we have all sinned and have come short of the glory. We've all done something wrong. And God, whether we believe it or not, and no matter how secret we think it has been or, or was, God has seen everything that we've ever done. So it's perfect because when we know what we have done, despite whether someone else knows it or not, he knows. And so when the judgment come, it is perfect. It is just because it was deserving because those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, because even for all, 
for us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we're not claiming to be perfect. We're not claiming to be sinless. It's quite the opposite. We recognize that we are not perfect. We have sinned. We have been disobedient and rebellious to God. But we have accepted Jesus Christ as our sacrifice for being in rebellion, for our sins, because God called for a sacrifice and a punishment for our sin and rebellion. And he has sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to be that sacrifice. And as believers, we say we are sinners. We are we have been in rebellion to God, but we accept that his only begotten son paid that penalty that we should be accepted. That's the difference. And that's a major difference as opposed to unbelievers who don't believe either they have done anything wrong or there is a God for a sacrifice or there is no such thing as a sacrifice. And so those who, for whatever reason, have not accepted that Jesus Christ has died for their sin have invited judgment, wrath on God's judgment and wrath on them. And it's going to be poured out during this seven year tribulation, which we're going to which is going to play out in this book of Revelation, in which, which, which we are which we are going to eventually get to. So those seven seals going back to verse number one are the official verdicts and sentences against unbelievers on the earth. That's going to be poured out during that seven years of time. And it's perfect because we know we all have done wrong, whether we admit it or not. We all have done wrong. The sentences and judgments would have to be carried out before Jesus can inaugurate his kingdom on the earth. Because after that seven year period, which we're going to get to him again before myself, there's going to be a 1000 year reign, the millennial reign, which is called. Moving on to verse number two in chapter five of the book of Revelation. I'm winning, reading from the NIV version, so your version may be, or the words that you see may be different depending on which wor- version you're reading. Even from the NIV, because sometimes the NIV, not sometimes, the NIV wording has changed. So you may be reading NIV and might be seeing some slightly different words, but it should be similar. But going back to verse number two of chapter five of the book of Revelation. And I saw, this is John, the writer of this book, who's been taken into heaven to see these things that are going to happen in the future. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? The word worthy used here is a Greek word which which signifies something that's morally and legal entitled. And so John is saying, who is morally and legally entitled to break the seals of the scroll? It's Jesus. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that has not sinned. So he's the one that has moral and legal title and authority to open the seals and the judgment. As we're going to see, moving on to verse number three. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the seals, even look inside of it. And the prior verse, verse number two, a mighty angel asked who was worthy to open the seals, to break the seals. According to his verse, the angel's question resulted in no one answer. No one could answer because no one was worthy to open the seals because we've all have sinned. No one was worthy or is worthy to open the seals of judgment, but Jesus because he paid the sacrifice for all our sins. So he's the one that's worthy to open up the seals of judgment up on this earth. And John's observed that no one stepped up to the plate and claimed to be worthy to open the seals and break the seals. Move on to verse number four. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And response 
this is John, in response to the unavailability of someone to open the scroll or to look into it, John wept. He cried. Perhaps he thought sin would continue in, on the earth and not be judged. So he wept. Moving on to verse number five. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and his seven seals. According to verse number five of chapter five of the book of Revelation, one of the 24 elders who was representative of the church or true believers told John to stop crying because Jesus, the line of Judah, had achieved the victory over sin and gained the right to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. No one else had the moral authority or legal right to enact these judgments but Jesus. So Jesus, he, they tell him Jesus is the one. He referred to him as the Lion of Judah. Verse 5 also identifies Jesus as the root of David, meaning the source of King David's power and kingdom. Moving on to verse number 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne and circled by four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. In this verse, John described how he saw Jesus as a lamb standing between God's throne and the four living creatures. Go back to in referring to the living creatures. Go back to Revelation 4 through 6 through 7. And in the midst of the 24 elders, the lamb that appears to have been slain had seven horns and seven eyes. Horns are a scripture metaphor for power, meaning that Jesus had power. And the verse explains that the seven eyes are the seven spirits sent out into all the earth, which is representative of the Holy Spirit. The word slain in the Greek, which may also be translated as slaughtered or butchered, it describes the violent death Jesus endured on the cross to take away our sins. Because when you read the Bible description of hammered, nails being hammered into his hands, into his feet, and even before that, as you may remember, he was beaten. They beat him to a pope. The word says that he was almost unrecognizable as a man. They did that before they even put him on the cross. Jesus endured all that for us, for the world. And the only thing we have to do is accept that. That's why he was worthy to open the seals. That's why he worthy to open the seals, because he paid the sacrifice. In the Old Testament times, lambs served as sacrifices for sin. But these only foreshadowed Jesus, God's lamb for our sin, who shed his blood as the perfect once and for all sacrifice for sin. When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, he told his followers that was around him, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You can find that in John 129, chapter 1, verse 29. We see John proclaiming that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that perfect sacrifice for our sin. In heaven, the Lamb's seven horns represent his perfect power. Going back to this verse, verse number 6 of John chapter 5. And the seven eyes represent the Holy Spirit 
perfect vision of all that transpires on earth. He sees and has seen everything everyone has done. Thus, as I talked about before, his judgment is perfect because he's seen it and he's heard it all. Everything that we've ever done, everything we've ever thought, everything we've ever said. Moving on to verse 7 of chapter 5. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So, as the only one with both legal and moral qualifications to open the scroll and break its seals, Jesus stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of God. Verse 8, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. John is describing what happened after the Lamb, that's Jesus, had taken the scroll from the right hand of God. The four living creatures that was mentioned earlier in this chapter, in this book, in chapter 4, and the elders prostrated or laid themselves before the Lamb, before Jesus. Each elder had a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, this verse tells us. The harps were played at festivals and celebrations in the ancient world. And the music delighted all who attended those events. Music will fill the courts of heaven as attendees worship the Lamb of God. The elders also held a golden bowl full of incense, according to this verse. John, the writer of this book, informs us that the bowls of incense are the prayers of God's people. In the Old Testament times, Israel's priests burned incense in the temple. The fragrance from the burning incense symbolized the prayers of God's people. In Psalms 141, verse 2, David wrote, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Moving on to verse 9 of chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. When it seems there was no one worthy to open the scroll of God's judgment, John wept. Then Jesus stepped forward, took the scroll from the hand of God. Now, instead of weeping, this results in the elders singing a new song of praise for the lamb. And again, the lamb that we're referring to here is Jesus, the Christ, the only begotten son of God. This new song praises the lamb. They sang that the lamb is deserving of the right to take the scroll and open his seals because he, Jesus, was slain. And his blood, Jesus' blood, provided a ransom for people everywhere on the earth. The apostle Peter referred to Jesus' blood as the price of our ransom. He wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, You were ransomed. From the fruitile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He paid it all for us. 
He paid it all for us. His blood paid it all for you, for me. We only have to accept it. That can be yours if you want it. Accepting Jesus Christ paid the the price for you with his blood. Moving on to verse 10 of Revelation chapter 5. Now you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Verse 10 continues a new song being sung by the 24 elders who surround the throne of God in heaven. Here we see confirmation of what John saw in Revelation 1.6. That verse teaches that Jesus had made all the redeemed a kingdom and priests. The Lord promised conquerors, those who hold fast through faith, that they, were, they will share his throne. Refer back to Revelation 3.21. This will happen after the tribulation when Jesus returns to earth and establishes kingdom. And you can go ahead and read a little further in, in Revelation 24 through 6. That's chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. And during Jesus' reign on earth, corrupt governments and evil dictators would not be allowed to continue. We also see in verse 10 that the redeemed or believers are priests. He made all believers priests unto God. The apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, let's go there, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Catch this now. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we see in this verse that that is a confirmation of 1 Peter 2, 9, that as believers, we become a part of a royal priesthood for God. Moving on to verse number 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and then ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. John heard the voice of many angels, too many to count, the thousands upon thousands, the 10,000 upon 10,000. 10, He's indicating that he could even count them as so many. Moving on to verse number 12. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The angels proclaim Jesus' right to honor, which he's entitled to and deserving, and power, which he has, in part because he endured the cross for us, for me, for you. These angels declare that he's worthy to receive royal acclaim because he is the lamb who was slain on our behalf. He's worthy to receive the power and authority to establish and administer his kingdom. Jesus is described as worthy to receive wealth. Governments need money to operate, but untold wealth belonged to Jesus. It's all his. He will never exhaust his royal treasury as he governs on this earth. He will exercise infinite wisdom as he administers his justice in his kingdom. As earth perfect king, Jesus, as, his perf as this earth perfect king, Jesus will receive honor and deep respect from his royal subjects, us. The glory of his holiness will blanket the earth and his subjects will bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Moving on to verse 13 of chapter 5 in the book of Revelation. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Verse 13 records the ultimate adoration for Jesus and God the Father will receive when the whole earth is restored to his original sin-free condition. That's why the book of Revelation is such a glorious book because it talks about the revelation of our Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus in his return and returning this earth to the way he intended it to be, free of sin, experiencing a relationship with him that we can only imagine at this point. Romans chapter 8 verses 21 through 22 tells us, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. This whole earth has been waiting for Jesus to return to set it back right. At that time, every living person and thing will acknowledge that the Lamb indisputable right to reign but throughout eternity as king together we would ascribe to father god the father and the son blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever amen we see in psalms 148 verses 7 through 13 let's go there that's psalms 148 7 through 13 verses 7 through 13 praise the lord from the earth you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfill his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all living and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers on the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. And what that is referring to, that the entirety of this world from man and angels, animals, plant, we're all going to sing praises to the mighty name of Jesus because he's so worthy as our creator. He's so worthy as our savior. He's so worthy is our Lord allowing his holy, righteous, and perfect blood to be spilled for our sins. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And he's so worthy of it. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thank you. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Moving on to verse number 14. The four living creatures says, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. John has witnessed the 24 elders in Revelation 4 and, 4 and verse 4 and a massive horde of angels in Revelation 5, 11, singing the praises to Jesus and to Father God. Upon hearing this universal praise to the Lamb, the, living, the four living creatures voiced their agreement by saying, Amen, which literally means so be it. The elders here in this verse add their agreement by falling down and worshiping our great king. This burst of praise began with four living creatures and the four 24 elders. And it is fitting that it's concluded with them. 
This is a lesson to all of us to embrace worship of our God. We should acknowledge the Lord right to receive worship. And we should humble ourselves before him in odd adoration because he alone is worthy of it. Think about it. Think about it. To create man. To have him to fall. To show mercy and grace to him and say, despite it all, I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to pay the penalty that you so deserve. And we know we deserve. It's undisputable for the wrongs we've done. And the only thing he, he does is ask us to believe it and confess. That's all. It's simple. We want to make it hard, but the word says what it says. If you confess in your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins and was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And so let's do this right now. Let's close out in prayer. This completes the end of chapter 5. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this time to study your word. We thank you for you. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent back. We love you. Father God, we just thank you that you open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to better receive and understand your word. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, this is so important. And you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now is the time to do so. It's not by accident or chance that you're listening to this and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now is the time to do it. I and I beseech you, which means beg, plead. Don't waste another minute. Don't waste another hour. Don't waste another day because none of those things in the future are promised to us. Not the next minute, not the next five minutes, not the next 30 minutes, not the next hour, not the next day, not the next year. We don't know when our number is going to come, but if you should, if it should come and when it comes, you should have surety that you will be with God in heaven and have eternal life and peace with him by praying this prayer with me. If you feel it in your heart that he's knocking at your heart, he's tugging at your heart to accept him. Now is the time to say this prayer and I beseech you, I beg you, say it right now. Repeat after me. It's simple. Father God, I am a sinner. I have sinned. Father God, I accept that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die for my sins. I believe and I confess that he died for my sins. And I believe and confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe and confess that you, Father God, raised him from death by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen and amen. And congratulations. And if you said that prayer and you believe it, according to God's unfallible and perfect word you are saved from his wrath you are part of his family heirs and joint heirs with jesus you're part of the royal priesthood you are a true believer and when the rapture come you will be taken from this earth and meet jesus to live with him forever it's not about a feeling nowhere in the word that you will find that it says if you feel like you're saved it doesn't say that it's not in there it is simple as what we just did because that's what the word said. I didn't say it. I'm just repeating what the word said, and we take him at his word. 
So don't get bogged down in feelings. Whether it's a feeling or not, it's not about a feeling. It's about being obedient to God and doing what he says to do. And if you did it, you can trust him him. He saved you because he, his only begotten son, Jesus, did the work. We can't do the work. There's no work. You can't work your way to salvation. Otherwise, Jesus died for nothing, and we know he did not die for anything. So I welcome you to the Holy Family. I praise God for you. On next, in the next episode, we will go into the next chapter, chapter 6, as we continue our journey through the book of Revelation. I ask that you would pray for me, and I will continue to pray for you. Until next time, may God bless you. Amen and amen.